just want to thank Pastor LJ. I want to thank all of you for inviting me here this morning. It's so good to be here and to speak to all of you. And it's so good to see so many familiar faces, pleasantly uh, surprised. So what a joy it is to be here and to share God's word with you this morning. Well, with that, would you please bow your heads? Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer before we get started. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word that nourishes us, that strengthens us. We pray that you would open our hearts and our ears and that you would fill us with your spirit this morning. Give us today the bread of life. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning I want to speak to you about finding strength to persevere in the Christian life. Because life isn't always easy. That's why Jesus told his disciples, in this world, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. Jesus' time on earth was nearing its end. He was about to go to the cross. And knowing the hardships that his disciples would face, he wrote these words in John chapter 17, in John chapter 16, to warn his disciples. Just try to imagine what Jesus was thinking as he wrote these words, in this world you will have tribulation. The disciples would face sorrow in confusion as they saw him, as they saw their Lord crucified on the cross. They'd face guilt over personal failure, failing to stand with Jesus. Did you ever feel guilt? They'd face disappointment, seeing Peter, their once zealous leader, the rock of the church. Here's Peter. He's going to lead our church, but he denies Jesus three times. Do you ever feel disappointment? They'd face deep hurt to see their trusted friend, Judas, betray them. Here's Judas. They're doing ministry together, living together, working together, serving together. And he betrays their Lord. Do you ever feel hurt? Wounds from a friend? In life, all of us will face setbacks and disappointments, seasons when growth seems slow, confusion about what to do, times when plans fall through, even wounds from a friend. But just as Christ warned his disciples about the hardships that would come, he also encourages them to persevere. Yes, yes, he writes, in this world you will have tribulation, But he also writes right after that, but take heart, take heart, I have overcome the world. He tells them they can persevere because he has persevered for them. Take heart. And as we meditate on John chapter 15 and Jesus' instructions to his Disciples, I want to draw out for you four ways, four ways that all of you can take heart and find strength 
today. Four ways that you can persevere through Christ. First, you can persevere, you can draw strength when you abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. Look at verse 5 of chapter 15. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he, he it is that bears much fruit. The image here is of the grapevine. And if you Google this, you'll see that a grapevine looks more like a thin tree trunk standing in the ground rather than a vine plant with vines hanging over the edges of the pot. And usually each trunk has two arms extending out, one to the right and one to the left. And from these extended arms, branches grow upward, bearing leaves and shoots and eventually clusters of grapes. And sometimes, gardeners will graft new branches into existing vines. For example, if they want to change the type of grape they want to grow, they'll cut a hole in the arm. So here's the trunk, here's the arm. They'll cut a hole right here in the arm and insert a new branch, and then they'll tape it and secure the branch and hope that it will graft into the vine. It will abide into the vine. Sometimes the new branch will graft into the arm, bearing new fruit, and sometimes they don't, falling to the ground. That's the image Jesus is sharing in John chapter 15. Jesus is the vine, and we are the branches being grafted into him. And those who abide, those who abide are those who attach themselves to Christ to his arm, to his being, to who he is. Those who abide are those who draw strength from Jesus Christ. Now, obviously, Jesus isn't giving a lesson on cultivating grapevines. The application today isn't, okay, everyone, so go home and let's grow some grapes. Rather, he's showing how those who abide in him can grow spiritual fruit. If you've ever wondered how you can bear fruit in your life, how you can have a fruitful ministry, Jesus gives the answer right here. Jesus promises fruit to those who abide in him. Whoever abides in me, he it is that bears much fruit. Now, you might be thinking, all right, that's great. That sounds great, Pastor Tom. I, I want to draw strength from the vine. I want to draw strength from Jesus. I want to have a fruitful life, a fruitful ministry. But how can I do this? What does it look like? What does it mean, then, to abide in Christ? The person who abides is the person who puts their trust in Jesus Christ. That's what it means to abide, to trust in Jesus. But it's more than just trusting in Christ. It's also an ongoing trust in Christ. It's a continued dependence on Christ. It's the person who keeps going to the cross no matter how many times they failed. It's the person who continues to serve through the trial 
and through the hardship. It's the person who prays and prays and prays again and trusts in the Lord. It's the branch that continues every moment, every day to draw strength and power and life from the vine, from Jesus Christ. Are you drawing power from Christ? You know, a few weeks ago, my two-year-old nephew was over at our place, and I tried to put him in my bike trailer to pull him to the park. I said, come on, let's go to the park. I, had, I got three kids. They're a little bit older, but my two, the two-year-old nephew, I said, let's, let's put you in the trailer, and we'll go to the park, and we can have a lot of fun. But he kept saying no. He wanted to go on the scooter. We had a little scooter, and he wanted to go all by himself on the little scooter. He said, by myself, by myself. I can do it. And I kept telling him, brah, you can't do it. Let uncle pull you. You can't go to the park. It's too far. He kept whining and whining. Eventually, I just strapped him in the trailer. I picked him up, put him in the trailer, and just started driving the bike, riding the bike to the park. Finally, we got to the park. Everyone was able to have so much fun. The slides and monkey bars and swings. Listen, the most tiring and exhausting thing you can do is to try and live the Christian life by yourself, by your own strength. Do you find yourself bearing the fruit of Constant exhaustion and jealousy and resentment and discontentment. It may be possible, if that's you, it may be possible you're trying to live by your own strength. But attached to Christ, he'll take you so much further than you could ever go alone. You'll experience fruit you never imagined you can ever bear. You'll experience true everlasting fruit. Not envy and jealousy and discontentment. Attached to Christ, you will experience love and joy and peace, patience, faithfulness, gentleness. Treasure Christ. Worship Christ, hope in Christ, trust in him, abide in him, and you will bear fruit. You will find strength. Second, you can find strength not only by abiding in the vine, but by remembering that he's preparing you. Do you you know that the Lord is preparing you today? Take a look at verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Throughout the year, the vine dresser comes and he begins to cut or prune the branches. Left to itself, the plants aren't able to produce the highest yield of fruit. The vine dresser has to intervene. He has to prune the branches for the next season. So what they basically do is cut off most of the branch. So here's a branch and shoots and 
the old clusters of grapes that were taken off, what they do is they cut it right about here, leaving about two to three inches of the branch that was grafted into the arm. And it looks like they're almost killing the plant. Don't cut it so close, you're, you're killing the branch. But the vine dresser knows, without the pruning, the plant won't be able to bear good fruit next season, to bear more fruit, abundant fruit. He has to prune, he has to cut. The same is true in the Christian life. Pruning often involves pain and trials, even failure. The process can be hard, but without the pruning, there won't be future fruit. Sometimes pruning involves the Lord taking away not only the bad branches, but even good things in your life. Shoots and branches and stems that used to bear fruit. But he does this, the Lord does this, so that you might bear even more fruit in the future. He's preparing you for the next season of your life. Amen. Thank you, babies, for that. (laughs) And this is what you see throughout all Scripture. Remember the story of Joseph? He was separated from his father, betrayed by his brothers, betrayed by his own brothers, forgotten by those who could help him. And then what about King David? Remember his story? He had to run for his life, enduring the consequences of his sin. He had to face heartache in his family. His own son was trying to kill him. But in the end, Joseph and King David, they were able to bear much fruit, more fruit. Why? Because they were pruned. The Lord was preparing them for the future. That's why in Psalm 119, verse 71, King David writes, It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. And when you face the pruning of the vine dresser's hand, you may feel the Lord's hand is far from you. Do you ever feel like that? Why is this happening in my life? God, are you there? Have you ever said that prayer? God, are you here? But remember this. The Father's hand is never closer than when he prunes the vines. During those times of severe cutting, he may seem to have departed from you, but that's when his hand is actually closest to you. Like a surgeon, during the most crucial part of the operation, in your hardest trial, the Father's focus is on you. His cutting may hurt. There may be pain. But his pruning will never harm you. And you will bear more fruit. Isn't that amazing? Let me read James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. This is from the Living Bible Translation. So James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4 states, Dear brothers and sisters, Is your life full of difficulties and temptations? Then be happy. For when the way is rough, 
your patience has a chance to grow. So let it grow. And don't try to squirm out of your problems. But when your patience is finally in full bloom, then you will be ready, ready for anything, strong in character, full and complete. You may be in a season season of pruning right now, but you can draw strength when you remember the Lord is preparing you today. He's preparing you for the future. Third, you can draw strength not only by abiding in Christ, not only by remembering that the Lord is preparing you, but by remembering Christ's love for you. Do you ever feel your love is cold? Your serving is mechanical, just kind of serving, but you know, just going through the motions? Do you ever feel distant from the Lord? And in those times, what will bring you back to zeal and passion and love and serving is remembering the love of Jesus Christ. And I want you to see here just how awesome Christ's love is for you. Jesus says, this is John chapter 15, verse 9, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now that's really interesting. I don't know if you caught that, but when I read this verse, it kind of shocked me. Just think about this for a minute. What I expect this verse to say is, as the Father has loved you, so I love you. As God loves you, that's exactly how I love you guys too. Or maybe it could have said something like this. It could have said, as the Father has loved Abraham and Jacob and Isaac, that's how I love you. As God loved the saints of old, I love you guys just the same. But that's not what Jesus says. He says, as the Father has loved me, God's one and only Son, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Christ's love, do you see what this is saying? Christ's love isn't merely like the love one has for a beggar. This isn't pity love or second-tier love. Christ's love for you is like the love the Father has for his one and only Son. Think about, let's think about for a minute, how does God love his son? Jesus is God's perfect son. That means even with all of your sins, he doesn't remember them. He doesn't keep a record of them. And he loves you as his righteous son, as his faithful daughter. Jesus was loved since all of eternity. That means even before you were born, even before time began, Even before you believed in God, Christ loved you. Just like the Father loved the Son with an everlasting love. And think about this. The Father's love for his Son is unconditional. That means even though we live in a society where some receive more love than others, Christ never compares. His love for you is unconditional. You know, more and more people in our world are experiencing a love that doesn't last. Perhaps you've experienced this in your life. Things got difficult and the love fizzled out. Through a series of failures, your love couldn't endure and overcome. Listen to this. No matter 
how difficult things get, no matter how many times you fail, the Lord's love for you will never fail. Why? Because Christ loves you as the Father loves him. And when you experience Christ's unconditional love, you'll find all the strength you need to carry on. No matter the criticism, no matter the failure, no matter the hardship, you'll be able to love and serve and live for Christ. Because you know you're loved by him. You know that nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Do you remember the Apostle Paul? Remember his story? He killed Christians. He killed Christians. Can you imagine him? He's doing ministry. He's faithfully preaching God's word, and he had a long day of ministry. He comes home. There he is lying in his bed, but he can't sleep because in his mind is engraved the pictures of the Christians that he stoned, of the church that he persecuted. He's trying now to preach the gospel, but he can't sleep because those images are scarred in his mind. But then he remembers the day the Lord called him. The day that he was shown mercy. And overwhelmed by love, with tears in his eyes, he can't believe that God chose him to preach the gospel. And do you know what he writes? This is what Paul says. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, an insolent opponent, but I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience. He was able to love Christ, serve Christ, live for Christ. He was able to find strength. I think him who has given me strength, he says. Why? Because he knew the love of Jesus Christ. You don't have to feel hopeless about your sin, about your past, about your failure. You can find strength today when you look to the power of Christ's love for you. Fourth and finally, you can draw strength when you remember one another. When you remember one another This is from chapter 16 and verse 32. Jesus tells his disciples, The hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home. What's Jesus talking about there? After his death, Jesus knew the disciples would scatter. They would run away in fear. That's why in John chapter 17, verses 20 and 21, Jesus prays for unity. This is what Jesus prays. He says that they may all be one. Lord, I pray that they may all be one so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That's his prayer. He knew that they would need to come back together for gospel ministry. And this is also Christ's prayer for us that we would partner together with one another for the gospel, for his kingdom, and for his glory. One of the greatest joys you can experience in the Christian life is the body of Christ. 
working and serving together. In fact, that's why we gather every Sunday to sing and pray and hear God's word so we can encourage one another. That was the call to worship. We can teach and admonish one another when you sing. You know, when you sing loud, you're encouraging the person next to you. You're spurring one another to good works, reminding each other that we're in this together. You know, I love eating Brazilian steak. I love Texas State Brazil and Fogo de Chao. I can enjoy it all by myself, flank steak and filet mignon, picanha, beef ribs. I don't know why the guy with the chicken comes. I'm always like, no, man, no chicken parmesan. See you later. But Brazilian steak is something you have to share with others. It's so much better when you eat together. It makes everything taste so much better. It's a great joy to serve Jesus Christ, but what makes it sweeter and better is the partnership you have in the gospel. When you can love and serve and give and work with others. That's why Paul writes in the book of Philippians. He says, uh, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. So he's thinking about his church in Philippi. He's remembering them. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. So he's praying with joy for this church in Philippi. Why? Why are you filled with joy, Paul? He says, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. From the first day to the present, Paul has joy because of the partnership in Philippi. And when you meet with other believers, they have power to encourage you and comfort you and strengthen you. That's why God gave us the church. That's why we have C groups. Join a C group. He, you know, Pastor LJ didn't pay me. I'm just saying that off the cuff right here. Sign up. That's why Jesus prayed that his disciples would be one. He knew they wouldn't be able to accomplish the mission without one another. So he prays, Lord, I pray for them. They may be one, that they may be one. You know, some years ago, I had the chance to um, share the gospel with North Korean refugees in northeast China. And because of the harsh living conditions in North Korea, many of them cross over as you probably know, into China. In fact, with the promise, for a promise of a better life, many of them are deceived and trafficked over and sold over into China. And I got to visit an organization that helps many North Korean women and children who are trafficked into China. And it was amazing to see this gospel work these missionaries were doing with these North Korean refugees And while in China, they wanted me to share the gospel with all of these folks. So we went from house to house, literally sharing Christ with these women and with these children. And we had to travel in this tiny little five-seat car. Somehow we were able to fit six people, sometimes seven people, in this little tiny car, traveling on dirt roads, cramped in there. It was a tiring two weeks there was so much joy on our team as we were giving ourselves to gospel work, driving around in this tiny car, talking together, serving together. And I still remember one of the missionaries in China telling me how much he missed 
the Italian beef at Pertillo's. He said, Tom, oh man, I missed two things from Chicago. Fruit Loops and Italian beef from Pertillo's. After two years, after that trip, I remember I was working, and for lunch, I went to Pertillo's in Schaumburg. It's two years after that trip. And if you go to Pertillo's, you know, you order, then you have to go down this little corridor, and then you can pick up your food. So I ordered Italian beef. And I walked down, they called my number, picked up my Italian beef, and guess who I saw when I turned around? It was that missionary. He was sitting right there eating Italian beef. <laughs> when I saw him, it's hard to describe in words, but this joy just rushed through my heart. And all the gospel ministry and all that God did in China just flooded my mind and heart. I felt so full. We just both sat there in tears talking about all the grace that God had given to us during that trip. Remember when we were traveling and cramped in that car? Remember when we went to this lady's house and she fed us this thing and we were eating this? Why were we in tears? Why were we filled with so much joy? Because of gospel partnership. Because we were in this together. Life can be tough. Life can be hard. In this world, you will have trouble. But you can have joy because of the partnership in the gospel. Because the Christian life isn't a race you run alone, but a race you run with others. You have brothers and sisters who are praying for you, cheering for you, running with you. You have gospel partners striving with you side by side. And there will come a day when we'll be in heaven feasting with one another on the banquet the Lord has prepared for us, and we'll be able to rejoice in all that the Lord has accomplished through our partnership with one another, through what the Lord is doing here at Restoration Community Church. You can draw strength when you remember one another. You can find strength by abiding in Christ, by remembering that he's preparing you, by seeing the depth of his love, and by the encouragement from the community of Jesus Christ. And the last thing I want to say here today is, if you're here today, and if you've never trusted in Jesus Christ ever before, I want you to know that this strength can be yours today. If you're visiting and you haven't really given your life to Christ, why wouldn't you trust in Christ today? Why wouldn't you believe in him today? Come to him, believe in him, abide in him. And today you can experience his love. You can experience the partnership in the gospel. You can experience the awesome love of Christ. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You will find strength. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you this morning and we feel our 
weaknesses. We see our sin so clearly. And sometimes we wonder how we can continue in you, how we can persevere. But help us to remember that if we trust in you and place our faith in you, you will take us further than we can ever go alone. Help us to remember your deep and awesome love for us. Help us to remember that we're not alone, but we have one another. We're running this race together. Lord, just give us your spirit and strength this week to continue in you. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.